I'm going to talk to you about from the time Israelites left Egypt and they went to their destiny. It took many, many years. We only think uh, 40 years. They were in the wilderness. Then they entered the promised land. No, no. It took few hundred years from the time they left Egypt to where God wanted them to go. The journey of Israelites. Right? And the Bible says all those things that were done to them or happened with them serve as examples for us. That means we need to learn from what happened to them. From the time they left Egypt to the time they reached their destiny. It took several hundred years. And it, there came several leaders. Several people got involved in this. But I'm going to put it in this way. You know, from the time they left Egypt to their destiny, we see that they came across three mountains. And three major leaders, three leaders led them to these three mountains. So I'm going to share with you about three mountains. I'm going to talk to you about three leaders. You know, usually uh, this kind of topic can be done in a seminar. With three days teaching, you know, daily you talk about one mountain, one mountain. But I'm going to put everything in 45 minutes to one hour. One hour is okay. It's fine, isn't it? So 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes for each mountain. Okay? <laughs> While as we can study, you know, for uh, two hours about every mountain. Because it's not just teaching, there's a revelation in this. So the first mountain that they came to, as we are all aware, is Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Now look at this. When the Israelites were in Egypt, there was the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. So we call it born-again experience. Then they crossed the Red Sea. That's a type of water baptism. And they came to Mount Sinai. That's a type of Holy Spirit baptism. Because on Mount Sinai, the presence of God descended. So when you are washed by the blood of Jesus, when you are water baptized, then you get Holy Spirit baptism. It's supernatural. Mount Sinai experience is a type of Holy Spirit baptism. Pentecost. It's associated with the feast of Pentecost. I'll tell it more clearly. You know, the law was given on Mount Sinai. Ten commandments were given on Mount Sinai. And the Bible says God poured his Holy Spirit upon us so that the Holy Spirit will write the laws of God on our hearts. <laughs> you see, that's why it's Holy Spirit experience. Mount Sinai refers to Pentecost. Mount Sinai refers to baptism in the Holy Spirit. On Sinai, the finger of God wrote on the tablets of stones. But on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God writes on our hearts. Are you getting the similarity right? And on Mount Sinai, the plan of building the tabernacle was given. Instructions to build the tabernacle was given. After the Holy Ghost comes upon us, dwells in us, He gives us the instructions to become the dwelling place of God. We are the tabernacle of God. We are the temple of the living God. Amen? So, first mountain is a type of Pentecost experience or a type of baptism in the Holy Spirit. Is that clear? We saw the blood of the Lamb, then we saw Red Sea, type of water baptism, and this is spirit baptism. Now, if you see the Feast of Pentecost in the Bible, among those seven feasts, you find that leaven was used. 
in the feast of Pentecost. In the Passover feast, there was no leaven. They would make unleavened bread. But in the feast of Pentecost, leaven was used. And I'm seeing what leaven refers to. You know, leaven refers to three things. Okay. It is, uh, leaven refers to sin. Leaven refers to hypocrisy. And leaven refers to false doctrine. I repeat that. Sin, hypocrisy, and false doctrine. Now you see, all these things were there at Mount Sinai. (laughs) Though the glory of God was on Mount Sinai, but at the foothill, you see sin there, you see hypocrisy there, you see false doctrine there. Therefore, sometimes we wonder when we see some people who say they are filled with the Holy Spirit, they talk in tongues, we see the glory of God, the cloud is also there. (laughs) But in their life, we also see some sin, (laughs) we see some kind of hypocrisy, and we also see sometimes some false doctrine. So what I'm trying to say is, at Mount Sinai, there is mixture. Though the Holy Ghost is on the mountain, but at the foothill, you know, there is mixture. The Bible says there were mixed multitude in the crowd who came from Egypt. And there was compromise. You see the picture of Mount Sinai? One side glory is there. One side the law of God is given. One side Moses is speaking to God. One side they can see God. All these manifestations are there. But at the same time, there is sin in the camp. There is sin. There is idol worship. False doctrine. You see, there is hypocrisy. Both are there. You and I know that even we have struggled with this. There was time in our lives, or sometimes there is time, (laughs) when one side we sense God's presence, one side we sense the anointing, we see the move of God, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, deep inside, we are struggling with hypocrisy, we are struggling with sin, we are struggling with certain things. We need deliverance. If you got to go to next mountain, you need to get rid of these things. Amen. God has to deal with us. It's long time we have been at this mountain. I'm telling you the truth. It's long time the church has been at this mountain. Compromising. Going on with hypocrisy. So many places. Presence of God is also there. And there is a lot of manipulation. You can never move forward unless you set things right here. Now, look up here. I will take you into Revelation. The enemy or the devil takes great pleasure in going as closer to God as possible and manipulating things, twisting things and turning things. God is on the mountain. His glory is there. He's speaking to Moses. Is giving the Ten Commandments. And right below the mountain, Aaron is taking all the gold from the people. And he makes a golden calf out of that, a molten image. And once the golden calf is set, all the people say, Hear, O Israel, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. This is the God that brought you out of Egypt. You see how hurting it is? And just if you lift up your eyes from there, you see the glory of God. The enemy takes great pleasure in going as close as possible to God through his people. He makes you the shield 
going as close as possible to the throne of God in your heart, in my heart. And he twists things, twists things there, manipulates. And God wants to destroy the enemy, but you and I come in between. <laughs> when I came to know this, I wept before God. And I said, God, don't ever let me be used by the enemy to hurt you. Let me never become an instrument in the hands of the enemy to cause you grief and sorrow. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to hurt God. You understand what I'm saying? Every time I have thought about this, I have wept, cried. Because we are the people who go after God's presence. You know, we are not that ordinary kind of believers. Speak some verses, claim, and confess God's word. But we go one step beyond that into his presence. We long for his presence. We are faith people, but at the same time, presence of God-loving people. <laughs> Correct? We want him. We are hungry for him. So I fell before God and sought God. I said, deliver me from all mixture, O Lord. Deliver me, Lord Jesus, from hurting you. Whatever it is, whatever it may cause, I will not hurt God. I don't want to bring sorrow to Him. Lord, deliver me, Lord. You know, I am fed up of the combination of presence of God and sin in my life. Everybody goes through this struggle. I'm fed up of presence of God, glory of God, at the same time, some secret sin. Friends, if you don't deal with this at this mountain, you don't deal with this now, later on, when you go forward, one day or the other, your sin will find you out. I believe that's why some of the big preachers or big names, they fell, they got exposed. Why? Because they didn't deal with this. Some people of God made a research of the life of David and they found out when the daughter of Saul didn't come with David, David had such hurt in his heart and he didn't give it up. He didn't set things right at that time. And that was one of the reasons that he fell with Bathsheba. Somewhere there is connection between this and that. So if you don't deal with these things at Sinai, later on in your journey, these things will find you out. These things will get exposed. I like what is written about Jesus. Jesus said, now the prince of this world will come to me and he will find nothing in me. He has nothing to do with me. That means Jesus was saying, the prince of this world will come and he will not find his part in me. So he cannot claim. You see, when Moses made a mistake, even after he died, Satan came and claimed the body of Moses. You have part of Satan in your life, then Satan will claim. He says, this portion of this man belongs to me. Secretly, this man does this. Secretly, this woman does this. That is my area. He has claim, his claim, over that area of our life. So what I'm trying to say, it's time that we fall on our face before God and get rid of the part of Satan from our lives. So that we too will say, the devil will come to me and he'll have nothing to do with me. He will not find his part in me. So this is the lesson that we learn from Sinai. What I decided today is, we'll study about every mountain and we will pray for two or three minutes. We'll study about one mountain, pray for two minutes. Then we'll go to the next mountain, study about that mountain. In short, pray for two minutes. Then go to the third mountain and pray and wind up. 
So did you learn something about this from the first mountain? There is a lot to teach. I am just speaking in a nutshell, right? Mountains talk about authority. Mountains talk about power. God is leading us from one level of authority to next level of authority. One level of power to next level of power. Many times we don't see mighty authority and power. We speak mighty words, but we don't see the power behind those words. We see words of authority, but we don't experience the authority because we are not in that place of authority, that level of authority. So why not we break now for two minutes and start praying, saying, God, there is mixture in my life. I have your presence. At the same time, there is some sin or some weakness in my life, Lord. Lord, deliver me, Lord Jesus, from sin, from hypocrisy, from false doctrine. Keep me away from these three, Lord. Lord, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to grieve your spirit. Just talk to God. If you feel that you are struggling with some sin in your life, God knows that. So talk to him about it. Say, Lord, I have your presence. I have your anointing. But at the same time, in this area, I'm struggling, Lord. I want to be free. Write your laws in my heart. Make me the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let there be fruit of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit in my life. The Holy Spirit baptism opens the door for supernatural. But at the same time, Lord, I have some weaknesses in me. So deliver me, Lord. Father, I bring everyone here before you in the name of Jesus. And by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I break every yoke of bondage that is over their lives. That spirit of compromise, that spirit of mixture, that spirit of man-pleasing, that spirit of hypocrisy, sin and false doctrine, I break, I break in Jesus' name from the lives of these dear ones and I speak deliverance to everybody. I set them free in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that your people will walk in freedom, Lord. There will be no idol in their lives. In the name of Jesus, at Sinai, we get rid of all idols. And give us that grace and ability by your Spirit never to hurt you. Never to cause grief to you, Lord. Never. Lord, may we never become instruments in the hands of the enemy to cause you hurt. Thank you, Jesus. In Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Clap your hands and give him all the glory. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now let's go to the next mountain. The next mountain is called Hebron. You call it Hebron, Hebron or Hebron. And this mountain was after the wilderness. The moment you enter the promised land, after Jericho, after Ai, then you come across this mountain called Hebron. It was at the entry. Soon after we entered the promised land, you'd come across this mountain called Hebron. Now you have so many things to learn about Mount Hebron. We will start in this way. The first thing is Mount Hebron was the favorite place of Abraham. Hebron was Abraham's favorite place. Sarah was buried there. Even Abraham was buried there. Isaac was buried there. Jacob and Leah were buried there. It was Abraham's favorite place. Abraham got settled there after all his journeys. God told him, come on, look at this land, all this land I will give to you. But do you know when did Abraham reach Hebron? When did he reach Hebron? Abraham, the friend of God, who was so close to God. When did he reach Hebron? God had told Abraham three things. 
Come out of your father's house. Come out of your relatives. Come out of your land. And what did Abraham do? He didn't obey God completely. When God told him, come out of your relatives, come out of your father's house, come out of all your people, he came out, but he took Lot along with him. You see, God said, leave everybody, leave everything, leave everybody and come. So he left the land, he left the people, but he grabbed his nephew along. He took somebody with him. You know, sometimes we do the same thing. We come out of everything, but we take take with us some of the things that God doesn't want. He took Lot with him, and Lot was with Abraham for some time, and then you know how there was friction between Lot's servant and Abraham's servants. Because Lot didn't catch up with the spirit of Abraham, with the vision that Abraham had. And then what happened? Lot and Abraham separated. And after Lot was separated from Abraham, the Bible says Abraham came to Hebron. You will not reach the mountain, the second mountain, without separation. You came out of the world, you left certain things, but somehow you pulled some friends with you. You pulled some old stuff with you. And you can never come to the second mountain till you are separated. God is calling you for separation. You know what it is. Maybe from certain kinds of books, maybe from certain kinds of sites, certain kinds of things. But unless there is separation, you will not reach Hebron. God is calling us for separation. After that, Abraham enjoyed fellowship with God. That became the dwelling place of Abraham. Hebron. Abraham became the friend of God. Hebron is a place of intimacy where you start Dealing with the things that you're clinging to or things that are clinging to you. Separate, separate, separate. And you give yourself wholly to the Lord. Amen? Are you ready for separation? (laughs) Yes. Before Moses died, long before he died, he, he got those 12 spies ready. Each one from every tribe. And we all are aware how he sent those 12 spies. And these came and spied the entire land. And returned back. And when they came back, you all know how ten gave the wrong report, negative report. And only two gave the right report. Joshua and Caleb. And the Bible says, among those who left Egypt, it was only Joshua and Caleb who made it to the promised land. It was only Joshua and Caleb who entered the promised land. Out of all those who left Egypt, those who left Sinai, (laughs) it was only two who made it to Hebron. Why? Let's see the life of Joshua. Let's pick up something from Joshua. The Bible says, after Moses would speak to God in the tabernacle, and Moses would go out of the tabernacle meeting, Joshua would still be there. Two things about Joshua is, Joshua loved the presence of God. He lingered in the presence of God. He stayed in the presence of God. And second thing the Bible says, he was the servant of Moses. Joshua the son of Nun, servant of Moses. So I see Joshua serving Moses and being in the presence of God. Serving the servant of God and being in God's presence. When you serve God's people and when you be in the presence of God. And then about Caleb, God says Caleb is different because Caleb had a different spirit. And God testified about him saying Caleb followed me fully. So I put it this way that you serve the servants of God. And then you be in the presence of God. And then you follow the Lord fully. You will make it to Hebron. Is that clear? 
It was only Joshua and Caleb who made it to Hebron. Follow the Lord fully. These were the two people who stilled or quietened the other spies and said, well, this land is for us. We are well able to go and possess it. And those people said, well, there are giants in that land. They said, no problem. You know, it requires warfare spirit to possess Hebron. They fought the giants. Everyone who comes to Hebron is a giant killer. Amen. We always thought that only David was a giant killer. No, Caleb was a giant killer. Greatest man among the giants was the man called Kirjat Arba. And it was Caleb who killed him. Caleb killed one of the greatest giants. You got to be a giant killer to possess Hebron. Praise the Lord. Amen. But you see, by the time they went to Hebron, from the time they entered the promised land, they fought against Jericho. They fought with the people of Ai and they went and possessed Hebron. What I'm trying to say is there is warfare. There is battle before you go to Hebron. But let me tell you something. When they fought, when the Israelites were about to possess Hebron, it's something wonderful. The battle was going on and God rained hailstones. And the Bible says more people died with the hailstones than with the sword of Joshua or through the Israelites. More people died by divine intervention. More enemies were destroyed because of divine intervention than the people's strength. So what I'm trying to tell you is when you are about to possess Hebron, there will be wars, there will be battle, but God will fight for you. Amen. God will fight your battles. Battle belongs to the Lord. Victory belongs to us. Hallelujah. So don't worry about battle. The moment we say battle and warfare, some of us get nervous. No, you don't worry about warfare and battle. God will fight for you. More will be destroyed supernaturally by divine intervention than by your strength. And you will go and possess that mountain. Once the Israelites went to the promised land, Joshua's job was to divide all the territories, inheritance and give to all the tribes. And Hebron, that area, came to the tribe of Judah. <laughs> tribe of praise, Judah. And you know, it was Caleb who came to Joshua and said, Give me that mountain. As my strength was when I left Egypt, so my strength is now. Give me that mountain. It was Caleb who possessed that mountain. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you have that kind of spirit in you, which says, I will not give up. What God has promised me is mine. Give me that mountain. I have destroyed the giants there. It belongs to me. It's my inheritance. I have followed the Lord fully. You want to reach Hebron, you need to follow God fully. You need to be separated from all that is attached to you. From the old life. Follow God fully. God will fight your battles. And you will reach Hebron. Amen. Shout praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. And that mountain went to Caleb and his generation. To his people. He reached another level of authority. Mountains talk about power. Mountains talk about authority. Caleb possessed that mountain. New level of authority. God is calling us to new level of power. But there is one more person who is associated with Hebron. And that is David. You know the Bible says it was David 
who became the king of Judah in Hebron. Listen here. When David was young, Samuel came to his house and anointed him. That was a secret anointing. But then, after several years, after Saul died, David came to Hebron. And the tribe of Judah acknowledged him as their king. And they anointed him. That was the second anointing that David received in his life. My brothers and sisters, when you reach Hebron, there is a second level of anointing waiting for you. Many people are satisfied with the first anointing. That's a private anointing. That's a secret anointing. Only your family knows about it. Not many people know about it. But the Hebron anointing, people will recognize. The people of the state recognized and they came and anointed David. That is the second anointing. You need to reach the second level of anointing in your life. Amen? David also had killed the giant. Only giant killers receive the second anointing. People who fight a good fight of faith receive the second anointing. Who fully follow the Lord receive the second anointing. Who are separated from all things of the world receive the second anointing. Today, God is calling us for second level of anointing. Are you ready for Hebron anointing? Are you ready for second level of anointing? Amen. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God has called us to move forward. So let's take time out to pray again. Two minutes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Only the overcomers are allowed in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Ask God to make you overcomer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, everything that is of the world that is holding this people, let it be broken in Jesus' name. I call for separation. Separation from the world. Separation from sin. Separation from all wrong people. Separation from all attachments, Lord, that are not in the will of God. I call for separation in the name of Jesus. I call for separation in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I call for separation. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. As Lot was separated, Lord, I call for separation from wrong people. I call for detachment from wrong people. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will give grace to your people to follow you fully, Lord Jesus. Lord, you will fight our battles. And Lord, we will win the battle, O God. Victory belongs to us, O Lord. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. With faith we possess our inheritance. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Clap your hands and praise the Lord. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Always remember, there is separation before second level of anointing. Amen. There is separation. Elisha, the disciple, was separated from those 50 others. You see, the sons of the prophet, all were together, but Elisha was separate. Again, he went to another place. The sons of the prophets came and said, God is going to take your head off you. Now listen, how does it sound prophetically if I say, God is going to take your head off you? Prophetically, right? <laughs> if you ask me, I will tell you, Elisha was about to lose his head. In general, it looked like Elijah was his master head and God was taking his head in the natural language but in the spirit language God was taking his head because the second anointing comes only after separation he was receiving the second anointing double portion 
he had to be separated. Head represents the self. Head represents your ego, your I. And Elisha had to be separated from his self, ego, whatever was attached to him, holding him. Spiritually, you know, he had to lose his own identity, his authority, so that he would get the authority of God. Spiritually speaking, Elijah had to lose his head. So wherever he was going, they're saying, God is going to take your head off you. God is going to take your head off you. And he said, I know that. Hold your peace. So I sometimes ask people, those who want the second anointing, are you willing to lose your head? That's why in the time of prayer, I didn't pray for the second anointing. I said, I'll explain this to you and then pray. Listen, it is worth losing our head. It's worth losing our head, our identity. You ask me, why? How is it going to help? When we lose our head, then Jesus will lay his head. He becomes the head, we become the body. I'll explain it more. When we lose our head, he keeps his head. Why? Because the foxes have holes, birds have nests, the son of man has no place to lay his head. He will lay his head. You lose your face and you gain his face. And when he lays his head upon you, the Tao of the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon his head. It's only on the head of Jesus the Holy Ghost rests. Many people say we want double portion anointing, we want the second anointing. Well, get ready to lose your identity. Get ready to lose your head. Get ready to lose yourself, pride, ego. When that I is gone, then the anointing will come. Amen. It took long time for David to reach Hebron. After the first anointing, it took several years for David to receive the second anointing. Many people stay with the first anointing. But God is calling us for second anointing. Therefore, when the young children teased Elisha, they said, oh, a bald-head man. When they teased Elisha, the wild bear came, female bear came and tore those children. Elisha cursed them. I was wondering why did he do that? Because the head was not Elisha's. The Holy Ghost rested upon the head of Elisha. If you speak against me, it will be forgiven. But if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, there is no forgiveness, neither in this world or the world to come. You be very careful about the head on which the Holy Ghost rests. Amen. I want you to talk to God and say, Lord, I'm willing to lose my face. I'm willing to lose my identity, myself, my pride, my ego, everything, Lord. I want the second level of anointing. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we want Hebron anointing. We want the second anointing, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask for a second level of anointing. You gave us the first level of anointing. God, we ask for second level of anointing, Lord. We want to be anointed again. We are willing to lose our head. Jesus, you lay your head on us. On which the Holy Spirit rests forever and ever. Amen. 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 Clap your hands and praise the Lord. Let's go to the third thing, then we'll close. If you go home and read Exodus 15, 17, Exodus 15, 17, in the song of Moses, Moses says that God told him, bring my people to the mountain of my inheritance. You see, 
Bring my people to the mountain of my inheritance. This is the third mountain. God wanted to take his people to the mountain of his inheritance. And the third mountain is Mount Zion. God's desire was to bring Israelites out of Egypt and to take them to Mount Zion. And by doing this, he wanted to show his glory to the world. First, he showed his glory to the Israelites by doing mighty things in Egypt and bringing them out and taking care of them in the wilderness. And then he said, now in taking you to Hebron and from Hebron to Mount Zion, I will show my glory to all the people in the world, to the nations. I showed my glory to you now, but now I'll show my glory to all the people of the world. But the Israelites failed to believe God. They didn't believe God. In spite of seeing such mighty works of God, glory of God, they failed to believe God. So God came down and God was so angry. God said, Moses, I'm going to wipe out all these people. And through you, I'll build a new generation. That means God was willing to forget Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You see, 500 years of investment, God was willing to wipe out. You imagine this. 500 years, nearly 500 years of investment from the time of Abraham till now. God was willing to forget it. But Moses stood in the gap and he says, No Lord, please don't do that. And you know how Moses interceded. You study that chapter. It's amazing how Moses talked to God. God said, Your people, Moses, are hard-hearted people, stiff-necked people with unbelief. And then slowly Moses talks and says, Well, after all, they're your people, Lord. God says to Moses, Your people. And Moses says, God, your people. Your people, your people. God says, you brought them out. Moses says, well, Lord, you brought them out. (laughs) You should read that conversation. It's amazing. You will see the intimacy that Moses had with God. And on the other side, it looks like one side, God was angry with people. But another side, God was enjoying his conversation with Moses. God liked all those things. (laughs) And Moses saying, come on, don't get so hot. Right? Why? You know, he says that why your anger is so hot and why it waxeth hot? Why you get so hot? You know, he's saying, relax, cool down. <laughs> he's talking to God. He says, why you are so hot? Yes, we are stiff-necked people. We are like this. We are this way. But you are merciful. Now, in doing this, you know, people will talk bad about you. You wanted to show your glory to the nations, but by destroying these people, they will talk bad about you. And they'll say, God brought them out of Egypt and he could not take care of them, so he killed them. And then Moses said something, I believe that touched the heart of God. He said, strike my name. If you want to destroy these people, destroy me also. You know, what was Moses trying to say? Moses was saying, he says, people will talk bad about you and I cannot tolerate that. I cannot withstand. You want to begin a new generation with me? But what is the use of being alive and hearing from all the nations all wrong things about you? He says, I cannot tolerate anybody talking against your nature, against your character. So then he says, you better repent. (laughs) He says, God, you repent. That means you turn from your anger. He says, turn from your anger. Because I may be alive, but I cannot withstand anybody talking against you. How many here, you can never withstand anybody 
talking against the character of God. See, against the nature of God. I hate that with all my heart. I can never tolerate anybody going against the character of God, the nature of God. And then God told Moses, you have found favor in my sight. And immediately Moses bowed down and see Moses talking to God. He says, well, if I have found favor in your sight, he said, come, go with us, Lord. We are stiff-necked people, but come with us, Lord. God said, well, I will send my angel before you. He says, no, (laughs) you got to come. You come with us. No angel, no Gabriel, no seraphim, no cherubim. You come, Lord. Amen. Moses talked with God. You know, somebody asked me last week, they said, well, how do we see the demonstration of the Holy Spirit? I want to see demonstration of the Holy Spirit. How do I have everything in my ministry, but I want demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And I just asked God in my heart, and I told this person, I said, transact with God before you get into the meeting. You settle with God, you talk to God, you transact with God, and then you come, everything will happen. You want God to show up in the meeting? You transact with him, deal with him before the meeting. (laughs) Then you just come, you stand there, he will show up, he will do what he wants to, what pleases him. Then it is God's meeting, not our meeting. And when Moses told God, well God, turn from your anger. Then God said, well Moses, I am forgiving all these people. But make no mistake, as long as I live, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters covers the sea. Amen. One day I wanted to show my glory to the nations through the Israelites, but they failed me. Make no mistake. One day I will show my glory to the nations of the world. And that is through the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. That is through you and me. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as waters covers the sea. And then you all know because of their unbelief, they all died in the wilderness. God had to raise up a new generation to go into Israel. And they possessed Mount Hebron. And then you study this, it's so wonderful. How much time it took, what all happened. Judges were raised up, leaders were raised up. Then the Israelites desired a king. All kinds of things happened. Finally, God had to raise up a man after his own heart. Or God waited for a man after his own heart who would fulfill his will. David loved God. He was a worshipper. And it was David who possessed Mount Zion. Amen. Three leaders, three mountains. Sinai, Hebron, Zion. Moses, Joshua and Caleb. And here is David. You see the journey started from Moses' time. It ended in David's days. It was David who possessed Mount Zion. Because the Israelites, after they went into the promised land, they did not drive out all the enemies, all the tribes. Joshua could fight and drive out some tribes. And if you read Deuteronomy 7.1, the Bible says there were seven tribes, seven enemies, seven tribes, Hittites, Canaanites, Girgashites, all those things. You know, God wanted them to destroy all these people. And the Israelites failed. And they drew out all the tribes except one. That were the Jebusites. And the Jebusites were on the mountain. Geographically, this mountain was a small mountain on another mount called Jerusalem. As it is, Jerusalem is a hill. 
And then on the top of the hill is this mount, small mount called Zion. And God wanted to lead his people to Zion. And it was David who fought with Jebusites. The Jebusites, nobody could fight against them because they were on the mountain and they had a stronghold, fort. They were living in a fort. And you know what they said? David, you cannot fight with us. Our blind and lame people will rebel against you. Our blind and lame will send you out, send you back. You know, Jebusites were always mocking the people of God. And they were very adamant. They thought nobody could fight against them. And from the time of Joshua, nobody could drive out the Jebusites. Nobody could go and possess that mountain. You see, there are two interpretations for this. What is Jebusite? Who is a Jebusite? What exactly is the spirit of Jebusite, which we are not able to get rid? The first thing is, in spite of all these years of your spiritual walk with God, there is one stronghold in your mind which you are not able to get rid of. I fought with this for years. One particular thought, one stronghold in our mind, one pattern of thinking, or one thought that comes, and the moment it captures you, you lose your strength. You lose your confidence. And you fight against it. That's the spirit of Jebusite. In everyone's life, there is a Jebusite, a Jebusite, and it has to be fought. David fought against Jebusites. He destroyed Jebusites, destroyed those strongholds, and went and possessed that mountain and called it the city of David, the city of God. That one particular area, that stronghold that you have been struggling in your life, the moment you conquer that, you can call it the city of God or the city of whatever your name is. That's where the kingdom of God comes. With all its fullness. There is one pattern of thought that is a stronghold. Over the years in our spiritual walk, we have fought many battles, many weaknesses, and somehow we try to come up. But in our mind, there is one kind of thought that has to be broken. Amen. I can go deeper and tell you, Lord, from where did it come? It came from Eve came from Adam and Eve's time. And we need to break that stronghold. You and I know when that stronghold is broken, you know you are totally surrendered to God. And God comes and fills you all in all. The second interpretation for Jebusite, when it comes to the church, is you connect Deuteronomy 7.1. If you are writing the notes, just write down Deuteronomy 7.1. Connect it with Proverbs 6. 16 to 19. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. This talks about the six things that are abomination to the Lord and the seventh thing which God hates. A proud look, a lying tongue, a heart that deviseth mischief, evil imagination, feet that run to do wrong things, hands that shed innocent blood, and seventh one is he who sows discord among his brethren. You connect those seven enemies, seven bribes, with these seven abominations, which God hates. And the seventh thing is discord. So Jebusite, when it comes to the church, is nothing but the spirit that 
brings discord, disunity among the brethren. Disunity in the church. When this spirit of disunity causes division is broken, when the church becomes one, that means the spirit of Jebusite has gone and the glory of God will come. The hardest enemy to fight in the church is disunity. The spirit of discord. See, as individuals, it is that stronghold in the mind. That's Jebusite. As church, it is the spirit of disunity. Discord. When discord is gone, disunity is gone, how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. It brings the anointing. David possessed Mount Zion. But you know something? It is here David received the third anointing. This time, not only the people of Judah recognized him, but all the tribe of Israel came. Everybody came and anointed him as king over Israel. It was in Jerusalem, it was in Zion, David was anointed. The third anointing. Many people in their life have not reached the third anointing. The third level of anointing. Many, many people. And many people, they want to bypass Hebron and reach Zion. You can never reach Zion without reaching or crossing Hebron. Thank God for Sinai. Thank God for Hebron. But you and I are called to reach Mount Zion. The Bible says God loves Mount Zion more than the dwellings of Jacob. You know that verse? <laughs> God loves Zion more than the dwellings of Jacob. You ask me, how do I go to Zion? Go home and read Psalm 15 and Psalm 24. It says, who can climb the mountain of God? He who has clean hands and pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul, his mind unto vanity. He who keeps his promise in spite of whatever it costs him. Amen. These two Psalms give you the detail of who can possess Mount Zion. God loves Mount Zion. Amen. Okay, let me tell you something. We'll close. Clap your hands and praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know why Mount Zion is so special? Why? Listen to this. After David received the third anointing, after he became the king of Israel, as he conquered Mount Zion, you know what is the first thing he did? He went and brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, back to Israel. You all know from the days of Samuel, when Samuel was small, in the days of Eli, the ark was taken away. And for 20 years, ark was somewhere away. And it was David who brought the ark of the covenant. And it's a beautiful study. If you can study the journey of the ark of the covenant. These two journeys you study. One is the journey of Israel from Egypt to Mount Zion. And then study the journey of ark of the covenant from Sinai to Mount Zion, where all it went. You just study this, the entire Old Testament will open up and you learn so many things in the present life. The journey of the Ark of the Covenant. So beautiful. And it was David who brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, back to Israel and put it on that small mount, Mount Zion. And this time the Ark was not in the tabernacle Therefore it's called, it's not the tabernacle of Moses. There in the time of Moses, it was in the Holy of Holies, where the high priest could go only once in a year. But now it was in the tabernacle of David. 
where there was just a tent to cover the ark and there was just a thin curtain. And there were worshippers round the clock, 24 hours, worshipping God. And everybody could see that blue flame that was between the ark. You got it? Everybody could see the presence of God. Anybody could walk to that mountain and worship God. That was the only time in the days of David where people had direct access to the ark of the covenant. You know, while bringing the ark of the covenant, one person seeing what's inside and there's so many people died. Somebody tried to help. He also died. God needs no help. Hallelujah. Listen to this. God said in the last days he will restore the tabernacle of David. Amen. The glory of the latter house will be more than the former house. I want to tell you today the ark of the covenant is in you. Amen. (laughs) We have come to Mount Zion. Mount Zion is in us. The ark of the covenant is here. Well, I've heard a lot of people say, where does the presence of God come? Where it would come? In the Ark of the Covenant. On the mercy seat. So have mercy seat in your heart. The glory of God will come. Have mercy seat in your heart. And God's presence will come. But just having mercy seat alone is not sufficient. Below the mercy seat, under the mercy seat, when you lift up that box and see inside, there were laws. The laws of God were written there. So I say it this way, the law of God plus mercy seat equals the presence of God, the glory of God. Amen. Lot of people, they just have the law of God. Most people have (laughs) mercy of God. Bible says mercy and truth have come together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other, right? Mercy and truth. We need to have truth of God's word and we need mercy. I've seen some people, they go in one extreme. Just mercy, mercy. Oh, we need to show mercy to everybody. It's mercy, mercy. And there's no truth. There's no base of the word of God. No foundation of God's word. Another side, I see a lot of people, you know, laws of God are there. Don't do this. Don't do that. Everything is laws. No mercy. But if you can combine mercy and law, law of God and mercy of God, presence of God will come. Amen. <laughs> oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We want to be those tabernacles on Mount Zion. People could see through and through. They could see the glory of God. They could see the Ark of the Covenant. We should have God dwell in us so mightily. As I'm closing, just let me ask you one or two things. How many of you want to become a dwelling place of God? As it is, we are all the dwelling places of God. But the problem is God dwells in us. In you, in you, in you, in me. But then the problem is... Our skin is very thick. Skin is very thick, so people can't see God. And I'm talking about thick skin, I'm talking about the self. There is so much of self in us that God is hardly visible. Thinner the skin, more visibility. (laughs) Is that right? Let God be visible. I must decrease and He must increase. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. I was mentioning this the other day. It's not at all possible to know all the power of God. It is not possible to know all the wisdom of God. All the might of God. But it is possible to know all the love of God. That's what Paul says. He wants us to know the height, the depth, the length, the width of the love of God. And to be filled with all the fullness of God. You may not be filled with all the wisdom of God. 
You may not be filled with all the power of God, but you can be filled with all the love of God. Let's come to Mount Zion this morning and let's receive that anointing. The third anointing that's kept for us. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. Shall we pray? Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, we worship. Lord, we worship you, worship you, worship you. I want you all to say this after me. Lord, by your grace, bring me to Zion. Give me a spiritual experience. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray two prayers. The first thing is that every stronghold of the enemy in our minds will be broken. Our struggle is, the battle is in the mind. The Jebusite is in the mind. That one stronghold that is not allowing you to progress. And you know if this one bondage is broken, you'll be totally free. It may be a pattern of thinking, or it may be fear, or it may be a discouraging thought, or depression, whatever it is, but it's in the mind. So in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I break that stronghold that's in the minds of these people. In the name of Jesus, I break it. Lord, I pray that you'll give grace to your people to spend so much time with your word that they will renew their thinking, Lord. And our thinking will be in line with your word. In line with your word, O God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Well, now let me pray the second prayer. Any spirit of discord or disunity in the church will be broken in Jesus' name. Any spirit trying to cause differences, discord and disunity, I destroy in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that there will be such unity, Lord, that your glory will descend, Lord. There was unity in Zion. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that there'll be unity, Lord, in your house. Thank you, Jesus, for your glory, Lord. Lord, give us Mount Zion experience. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.